good morning, and we are finishing our month on freedom. For those of you that are visiting, thank you for coming to Northwest. My name is Crystal, and I'm one of the teaching pastors that are here at Northwest. So we welcome you this morning. Um, we're going to be talking about, excuse me, freedom from rejection. And this is a huge topic, and I'm going to try to get enough in in the next 30 minutes that God can speak to us during the week. Most of you were given a handout in your bulletin, and that will save a little bit of time later on. We just, what prompted this um, for me was, most of you know I was raised in a pastor's home, which is a wonderful thing, but it's also um, something that there, it comes with many wounds. And you would think being raised in a Christian home um, and in a church, that that would be the most ideal place, and it is. However, um, there are people in church, so that's what we want, right? And, and I'm a people too, and my parents are people, so a lot of wounds come with that, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of hurt comes with that, and you wouldn't necessarily know that unless you've lived through it. So, but I was reminded of this, this past weekend, I had taken a team to a church outside of Philadelphia. They want to start a lovely program in their church, and they want to reach out into the community. So we flew up there. They flew us up, and we spent half of the day ministering to them, talking to them, uh, listening to them. And I was struck anew. I was, like, transported back in time. As I listened to these are our Christian women, these were people in the church, and there were so many wounds, so many hurts. It was all ages. We had widows there, married women there, college girls, high school girls, and they all told their story. We all have a story, and that story spoke of wounds that are in their heart. But you know, I was thinking this morning that we all are walking around with a broken heart. And it's not a broken heart like, I'm going to break up with you, or you're going to break up with me. Not that kind of a broken heart, but wounds from trying to establish healthy relationships. Wounds from trying to be understood. Wounds from judging other people's motives. But everything in our life rises and falls on the ability to have healthy relationships. It doesn't matter what you're doing, what your occupation is, what your family life looks like. Having healthy relationships in your sphere is what makes our life worth living. It's what we've been called to do as Christians. We've been called to live a life that gives love and a life that receives love. And something in our heart, even as believers, makes that a, a struggle, and that is rejection, wounds in our heart that are there from, and we're going to go through some of the, the ways and the reasons why we are all wounded, but when, once those wounds come, once that hurt has been inflicted, once those words were spoken over you, once that person that was important to you has gone, in that place of the wound, there comes something called rejection. And those are lies that get spoken to you, spoken to your mind, about now your value and your worth. 
your ability to be loved, who you are. And our hearts get hardened. It's, it's imperceptible, but over time, you find yourself avoiding certain types of people, certain kinds of relationships, intermingling with new people that you've never met before because there are places in our heart that it triggers a reaction in us. And we've not learned how to deal with those wounds in our heart. But rejection is so deceiving and deadly because it makes us unable to feel God's love in our life. That unconditional love where God said, you are my child, you're my daughter, you're my son. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. I have chosen you. But when we have rejection in our heart, when those places in our heart start to harden, we, we can't feel God's love like he is, wants us to experience his love. And we certainly don't have love for people that he has called us to. He has called us as his children here on earth to live a life that includes people and covers them in a blanket of love. That love that will draw them to the foot of the cross. And he needs us to exemplify that love, to show that love, to be an example of that love. But if his children, his daughters, and his sons become immune and hardened to putting ourselves out there and, and meeting people and including people, then who's going to tell your neighbor about this God of love? Who's going to tell that person you work with about the God of love. Before we talk any more about rejection or even talk about the symptoms and what it is, I want to first say that as a Christian, our foundation is love. I could have titled this Freedom to Love Others, but our foundation is to be love. We are to be grounded in God's love, centered in God's love, enveloped in God's love, and overflowing with God's love. That's what will show the world that we are truly his disciples if we love each other. And so the enemy would love nothing more than to stifle your ability to feel God's love and to show God's love. So the foundation where, where Jesus starts is love. And he says, you must love the Lord. And he's talking to his disciples. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. If we are wounded, if rejection is filtering everything that we hear, everything that we feel, everything that we are to experience, we won't experience the fullness of God's love in our life. We'll start to feel like, we'll start to believe that we have to actually perform for God to love us. We'll actually have to do this set of rules before God will love us. When the word clearly tells us that as his child, we are fully accepted, fully loved, fully belong in his family. 
But rejection shields us from feeling and experiencing that love of God. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, these are obvious. Um, we know we're to love ourselves. We, we hear that all the time, but some people don't know how to do that. What does that look like? Is that indulgent? Is that, does that mean I can? What does it mean to love yourself? Because the Lord said, your body is a temple for my spirit. I actually created you and formed you. You are special. And he wants us to love those things about ourselves that we think aren't lovable. And he wants us to love our neighbor, and some of them will not be lovable like we're not lovable. And we can't do this without an outpouring of God's love in our heart. And if we have wounds of rejection, we won't experience the love that we need to give. Amen? Are you with me? Okay. Let's read this together, please. Rejection is one of the primary tools the enemy uses to destroy our capacity to give and receive love. It's insidious. It's little by little. We, we, we don't think that we're feeling rejected because we don't know what that looks like. It's a little bit like insecurity. There's that saying, insecurity never looks like insecurity. It will look like anger, or it will look like withdrawing and isolating, or it will look like... Um, Someone that always has to be the center of attention. It will look like other things, but the root is insecurity. It's the same with rejection. We might not know that the mask we wear when we're around other people or when we go to a party is rooted in that place in our heart that has been wounded. And so we just think, you know what? It's not worth it. Or I can't keep this up. And we're, we're exhausted when we haven't been called to live a life like that. There's three main questions that we answer instinctively as humans as we walk through life. These three questions give our lives meaning. The first is, who am I? Who am I? Do I matter? What's my identity? The next one is, why am I here? Why was I created? Why am I here in Orlando? Why am I on planet Earth? Why am I, what is my purpose for being alive? And the third question that we, that we try to answer and navigate as we walk through relationships and we break them, we walk through another relationship, it gets broken or fragmented or strained or, but I still got this relationship, this is healthy, but we're littered all around with brokenness and it's inside us. The third question that we try to answer as we navigate through life is, does anybody care? Does anybody care if I live? Does anybody care if I die? Does anybody care that I'm in pain? Does anyone care that my husband left me? Does anyone care that my mother just died? Does anyone care about what's happening in my life? And rejection tries to filter the love that we feel from people, the acceptance that God has for us so that we Try to fill these questions with things that God never intended. So what is a rejection mindset? What does that actually mean? It's when we have thoughts in our mind 
sometimes they're conscious. Sometimes you realize, man, I've been thinking this thought for, for 20 minutes. I'm just now recognizing it. Sometimes it's like a loop, and you know it's playing over and over whenever you meet someone new, whenever it's time to have a discussion, will you sort things out with someone? These thoughts are looped around. Here are some of the thoughts. You're not loved. I don't feel safe in this relationship because you don't love me. <clears throat> that might actually be the case, but God has a remedy for that too. <clears throat> but rejection will tell you you're not loved. Even when that is a lie, you won't feel loved. You won't have the ability to feel that love. The next thing that might be going through your head is you're alone. I'm alone. I'm alone in this. There's not anybody that will walk by my side and stay with me. I am all alone. That's a lie. But it's what rejection tells us based upon things that have truly happened to us in the past. The third thing that, that might say rejection in your mind is that you have to earn approval. You have to earn acceptance. And that's such a trap. Because we bounce off of two things. One is, I have to earn it. I have to perform. I have to be all this to people. And then we bounce over to, I don't even care anymore. It's, it's not worth it. I don't even care. I don't care if you like me or not. Then we bounce back to, what can I do to make them like me? What can I do so that I fit in? So I feel like I belong. What do I do? I don't even care. Screw you. I don't care. I don't care if you like me or not. And we bounce back and forth and forth and back. Because our hearts are not healed. There are wounds, and there are things that when it hits us, we react. And we're going to talk about that next. Now, rejection, this little cheesy thing, is like this. When those thoughts that are running over and over in my head, or even just periodically pierce my consciousness, it's like I'm wearing uh, tinted glasses. Everything I see, everything I hear, everything you say to me is filtered through rejection now. So you might not have any intention of hurting someone's feelings, but they are hearing everything you say through this, through this lens of rejection. And it's such a defeating cycle. And when you have incessant thoughts like this, what happens is it now becomes a belief system. And when it is now a belief system, everything is filtered through that lens, I'm not loved. You don't want me to be a part of this. You just invited me because of my husband. You just invited me because of my wife. You just invited me because I'm single, because I have money, because I, everything is filtered through that. And you cannot actually receive the love that people are trying to give you. It infiltrates every thought, every perception, Every time you try to figure someone's motive, that lens of rejection is there telling you you're not enough. You just don't measure up. There's something in you that's broken. They don't want you there. Your life isn't important. It's a vicious merry-go-round. The cycle is this. We are hurt. We are wounded. Someone says something unmeaningly, unwittingly, whatever, and it hits that wound. 
It sounds like something your ex-husband said. It sounds like something your child said when they walked out the door. It sounds like something your mother said to you. It sounds like whatever that wound is, it triggers something in you, and you react. You might react in anger. You might react in cynicism. You might react by withdrawing your relationship or your love from them. But you have a reaction. That person knows you have a reaction. They're thinking, what the heck just happened? What did I say that was so bad? And now they're responding to you because they can't figure out what is wrong. But you are reacting. It's hitting a wound in you. So you react. When you react, now they respond to you and they're thinking, man, I'm not not bringing that up again. We're just not going to go there. We're just not going to go there. When we get together, we're just not going to go there. Because they, they they don't know what to do. This is a crazy person. They don't know what to do with you. And you don't know what to do with them because you genuinely think they don't like you. You genuinely think in that moment, they're trying to, you're judging their motives. And it is a vicious cycle because you've reacted. Now they respond with like, whoa. Very few times will a person press in. Say, well, let's talk about it. What are you feeling? Because that person has wounds themselves. So we back off and think, okay, I'm just not going to. And then that further perpetrates. I'm rejected because you really were rejected. They're like, I'm not, this is not worth it. This relationship is not worth all that. The drama that follows this woman everywhere she goes is just not worth it for the one day a year that we have fun together. So it perpetuates that cycle where we are hurt. We react, they respond. And we react and then we're hurt. It's just a vicious, and we have to recognize this is a pattern This is a pattern in my life, and I can see the littered relationships that have shown me this is a pattern in my heart, and I need to recognize it. I need to give this to God and let him heal me. Amen? Amen. All right. I'll just give you a couple questions. These are not the questions on your handout. Um, Some of you might be thinking, well, I don't really think I'm suffering with any kind of rejection and if you're not, I would love for you to pray for me after the service because that would be a wonderful way to live. But I just, you know, I'm just not there yet. But I want to be in the place where I recognize my hurt, where I recognize, you know, it's not what you just said to me. It's something in me that's reacting this way. So would you pray with me right now? Or can you, if that's too weird for some of y'all just to actually say with a friend, then you say, let me, I just need to go pray for a minute, get my head right, because it's not you. It really is it's something in me. And if we would do that more often, we would have a lot more covenant friendships. If we could just submit, you know what, that, that's hitting something that I think is broken in me. It reminds me of when my father left. When you said that, when you responded to me that way, when you didn't show up, that reminded me of what it was like in my family. Would you just just know that I love you? I just need to... It's not you. It's me. Let me just give you a couple questions to think about to help you know. Are there any areas where rejection has a hold on me? Are you able to feel the presence of God, to experience his love? Because he doesn't want us just to know that he loves us. We, we know it and we believe it because his word tells us that. But we also want to experience it. I want to feel God's love. It's like with my husband, when we're, those of us that are married, 
yes, we know you love each other, blah, blah, blah. But I want to feel it. I want all the feels. I want to, I want to taste it and I want to be all those things. I don't want to just know it. You taking notes, baby? Okay. His hands are going over there. We've had this conversation a couple of times, but anyway. But it's the same with God. You know, he, he wants us to experience his love. Not just, well, you know I love you and I put you on the earth and I gave you my spirit and go on. Have a good time. Um, so how do you go about feeling loved today? How will you, what do you do to feel loved? Where do you go to feel loved? Where do you go to get your value? Is it something you do? Is it something you, is it a person that makes you feel, man, now I'm around that person, they made me feel special. I know I'm something when I'm around this person. How do you get your value? What do you do with the pain in your life? These are the questions that tell us where rejection hides in our heart. Rejection presents a vision of yourself that is less than accepted, that is less than loved, that's a victim. You will always be a victim. You're never going to have victory. No one's ever going to treat you the way you think you need to be treated. You're a victim. That's rejection, lying to you. Please hear me this morning. The antidote to rejection begins with God. There is no... There's no person, no matter how much they love you, on the face of this earth that can fill all the needs that we have. We are needy people. Half the needs we have, we don't even recognize that they're needs. We just react in a certain way, and then we realize, wait a minute, I just, I realize why I said that. Only God can fill every single place in your heart, every single thought that you have. Only God can fill that place. So first we look to him. Yes, we will reach out to people, but first we look to him because we, until we realize I'm accepted, I am totally accepted. I am totally loved unconditionally because I stand at the foot of the cross and I have accepted the sacrifice his son made for my sin. I am accepted, the Bible says, in the beloved. I can't take myself out. I can't, no one can rip me out. God accepts me. He loves me. And until that is cemented in my heart and running through my head, I will always be needy around people. Do you have those friends that they're always, they need something all the time. That's their identity, that their neediness. That's rejection. That's rejection. So the antidote begins with God. Let's see what God says about us. Uh, speaking through the Apostle Paul to the Church of Galatians and to us, the church at Northwest, he says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. That means he, he fulfilled every requirement in the old covenant of the Bible. When it talked about a Messiah coming, he fulfilled all that. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Daddy! Daddy! Some of us have a problem right there. 
We've never been able to cry, Daddy! And have anyone come and hear us and wrap us in their arms. So for some of you, that wound is deep. It's says foreign words to you. They're words on a page. You have no experience to put with it. That father wound is deep in our culture. Now you are no longer a slave. God says you are his own child. Mark Matusak, you are his own child. You are. I love his word. It is truth to my bones. And since you are his child, guess what? We inherit. We inherit. When daddy says we inherit, we inherit. Okay, let's see what else he says about us. You did not receive the spirit of bondage. And the basis for a spirit of bondage is guess what? Rejection. Rejection upon rejection upon rejection. Guess what? You're going to wake up one day in such bondage that you don't even want to leave the house. The spirit of bondage, the foundation for that is rejection. You did not receive that spirit again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Daddy. Adoption communicates acceptance. Adoption communicates Love, a new identity, that's adoption. Rejection's main mission is to project the feeling that you are separated from God's unconditional love. Now, if I were to take a poll right now and said, how many of you sitting here have ever felt or have felt recently like God just kind of doesn't even know you're around? Doesn't, he's forgotten your address. He doesn't remember what you look like. He gone. If I were to ask, you'd be surprised how many people raise their hand. And we all have mornings where we have to say the word, repeat the word to ourselves and declare it so that we can feel and experience God's love. But the person that is struggling with that rejection mindset has trouble believing and experiencing and feeling the love of God. So... One of the two ways he attacks us is by attacking our identity. You're not a child of God. Look at what you did last night. You're not a son of God. A son of God does that. Maybe Maybe you need to pay attention to what you're doing. But the fact is, if you are a believer, you are a son or daughter of God. And he, his blood has covered you. You have his unconditional acceptance. And if when we don't remember that we're a son and a daughter... It's really hard to fight battles. We feel like we have no authority. We feel like we have no one watching our back. If we don't remember, I'm a daughter of the living God. The second way that rejection attacks us is by preventing what we've been talking about, us from experiencing the love of God. Okay, so I'm going to quickly go through. Now, you have a handout in your bulletin, which I stuck in there because I knew I'd be running out of time. You can go through the symptoms on your own. If you, you think, well, I, how do I know if I'm trying to get my identity outside of God? I don't, I don't want to think that hard. I don't want to try to figure it out. I mean, won't I just know? Well, maybe you could ask your spouse. That would be a good way to, to find out some things that 
you don't know about yourself. But you could also, if you don't want to do that, you could just look through some of these questions. Are you easily hurt? Do you anticipate rejection? Do you compare yourself? Do you do things to get attention from people? There's a whole list of them. It's not limited to this list, but this list will get you thinking. So how, in the last four minutes, we're going to answer the question, how did we get this way? How did we get this way? We can say, well, we were born into sin, original sin. That's how we got that way. And, of course, that's true. But in addition to that, we got this way. If you flip the paper over to the back, you're going to see 10 life experiences that open the door to rejection. Open the door. Now, it's hard to get to my age and not have experienced some of that. One of that, two of that, five of that, ten of these. Even one of these, and this list isn't exhaustive. It's just to get you thinking, man, I really did, I really did have a traumatic experience. I remember we were in this horrible car crash, and I remember how I felt afterwards, and I remember when I had to recuperate in the hospital, how I felt. Traumatic experiences, all of these things are ways to wound our heart. And any time there is a wound in our heart, rejection will try to come in and lie to you about the result of that wound. I'm only going to talk about one because we have two minutes. And that's father and mother wounds. And we're going to go, here we go again. Here we go again. Mom and dad, we knew you were going to blame it on mom and dad. Well, since I am a mom and Pastor Mark is a dad, we're right in the same boat with everybody else. But we need to understand if we have inflicted pain, we need to ask forgiveness. And if we have been the recipient of the pain, we need to understand it, look at it, and know, okay, I, now, I, now I see what's going on. Now I get it. That makes sense to me now because when mom, when dad, okay, let's very quickly do what was the father's influence. And this is going to be very quick. The father's influence is to establish to establish things in their child's life. His job is not to provide, although we want dad to provide, but you know, moms can provide too. So it's not like that's the only thing he can do. His primary job is to establish things in his children's lives. Things like establishing an example. This is how a father loves his children. This is how God's love is for us. And you are establishing in that child's life what God the Father's love is like. It's a tremendous responsibility. The Father's voice is to establish approval in those children, acceptance in those children, and love in those children. That's what the Father establishes. A Father gives them identity. You have my name. I am establishing that. That's what a Father does. Moms can kind of him around this a little bit, but the Father wound happens when fathers are not there to establish things in their child's life. You are my son. I am proud of you. I accept you. Now we're going to work on that bedroom cleaning up, but I love you. I will protect you. I have your back. Your family is here. The father establishes that tells you what family you belong to, gives you a sense of belonging. And if that is missing from your childhood, that opens up a wound. And rejection comes in and says, see, you're not anybody. 
You're not anybody. Look at their family and look at your family. You don't deserve anything better than what you've got. That's how the enemy lies to his children. A father's influence is to establish things. Make them so in a child's life. A mother's influence is her ability to nurture those same children with compassion to cause them to grow so that they know who they are, how that they can handle the things that life brings. Good nurturing brings the ability to cope with life. One cannot take the place of the other. And, and God bless single parents because you've got a Herculean task. But the mother's I don't know what the word to say, not job. Our function is to nurture those children, to teach them resilience, to teach them that they can handle by our nurturing how God nurtures us, that they're going to be okay, that they can make it, that everything is going to be all right. You know, when kids are little and they fall down and skin their knee, who do they ask? Who do they run to? They run to mom. Because mom will kiss it, make it better. All right. So what we have to do is we have to live loved. And I'm, this is like the crash course of all crash courses this morning. But we need to live like we are loved. We need to wake up in the morning and know that we are fully loved, fully accepted, not because of the work we're going to do that day, not because we're bringing home the bacon, not because all those are good things. But we are, the moment we wake up, I'm loved. I'm loved. I am accepted unconditionally. That changes how you walk through your day. If you're not looking for love in him, or you're not looking for love in her, or you're not looking for love in them, you've, your love bank, man, I am loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. Living loved means we remember and feel we don't just know God loves us. We can read the words in the Bible. It's not, no, no wife wants to just know her husband loves them. We want to hear it. We want to feel it. We want to experience it. Bring it on. And that's how it is with God. We want to know that God loves us and walk in that experience of God's love every morning. We don't have to do it once a week. Every morning, the Bible says his mercies are new. I can have that new acceptance every morning. Living love means that your identity is based on being a son or a daughter, not on performing, not on someone else's approval. Would you stand with me, please? Let me read some verses over you. This is what God says about you. I invite you to claim your own verses, to, to read your Bible and look and, and underline the verses and and write them down. God has said, I will never fail you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I will not fail you. I'm not going to let you down. I will never abandon you. Oh, who needs to hear that this morning? God said, I will not. I will never, ever abandon you. You are my child. I won't abandon you. So we say with a wounded heart. No, now we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. 
what can people do to me? Living loved means that we wake up in the morning and say, but God showed his love for me, for me. While I was a sinner, he died for me. That's living loved. And we have to start by recognizing the areas that we react. We something in us that hits that, that feeling of being unloved. Something that someone says hits that feeling of being not included. You don't belong here. What's your last name? You don't even know what your last name is. Who's your daddy? I don't know who your daddy is. When it hits that feeling in us, we go to our dad, our heavenly father, and say, while I was a sinner, he loved me so much, he died for me. Living loved means that we remember he thinks about us constantly. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. I'd like to invite any of you down that would like some prayer. Pastor Mark's going to be down front. I'm going to say a prayer over you. Just come on down if you recognize, you know what, there's, there's a couple of areas in my life that I feel like I need, I need to recognize something's broken in this area. Something's broken. I can't seem to relate to my child. I can't seem to relate to my mom. I can't seem to relate to my neighbors. I don't talk about Christ. I can't even, I don't even like them. And they don't like me. There's something in me that's wounded. Because God said, I have all the love you need. He's going to fill us up, give us everything that we need. But something is keeping that from reaching our heart. So close your eyes, please. There's more of you here. I know that. So please allow Pastor Mark to pray with you, and then we're going to pray together. I'll give you just a few moments to, for your honesty to come forth. Jesus. Father, we want to break our agreement this morning with rejection. We want to break our agreement this morning with the thoughts that we are unloved. We break agreement this morning with any thought that we are not accepted. That we don't have an identity as your son or your daughter. Father, we break agreement with the thought that says I have to do something to please people to be loved. We break agreement, Father, with the thought that says, I have to be this way. I have to look like this. I have to drive this car. I have to have this profession. Father, we break agreement with that. We want to experience the freedom to love, to be in relationships that are fulfilling. We want to stop the cycle of hurt and reaction and rejection and hurt and reaction and rejection. Father, we break agreement with that cycle right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we declare, and we'll do this every morning, that we are loved. We are living our day as a person that is loved and accepted and as, as a son, as a daughter, and we can extend that love to others because there is no end to that love. There's not a limit on it. There's not this much love and then it's gone forever. Father, we want to live loved.
We want to prove to the world that we are your disciples because of how we love one another. Father, you accepted me. You chose me in the middle of my sin. So, Father, I accept others right now. I accept others. Father, don't let the woundedness in my heart stop me from loving your people. Root it out, Lord. Heal my heart, Lord. Heal relationships, Lord. Let this church be known throughout the city that we are a church of healthy, thriving relationships. Because we are living our lives loved. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, God. We thank you. Amen.